Welcome to the Knobcast. Thank you for dropping by. This is where we simplify Bitcoin. I'm your host, Mary Victoria, and this podcast is sponsored by BitKnob. BitKnob is an easy-to-use app where you can automatically save, borrow, earn, send, and receive Bitcoin all in one place at the cheapest rates. Download BitKnob, B-I-T-N-O-B, from the Apple App Store or the Google Play Store using the links in the show notes. Or visit our website at bitnob.com. That's B-I-T-N-O-B.com. Building for Bitcoin is amazing. Look, you're going to enjoy this episode, period. In this episode, I interviewed Car Gonzalez. Car is a co-founder of PlebLab, and PlebLab is an accelerator built for Bitcoin plebs in Austin, Texas. PlebLab's mission is to inspire more developers to come and build Bitcoin companies. Car shared what makes a successful hackerspace, gave amazing advice for people building Bitcoin projects, and so much more. If you love this podcast, feel free to send us a boost on Fountain.fm. Fountain.fm is a platform where you can support your favorite podcast by sending Bitcoin via the Lightning Network. To send us a boost, just tap on the Thunderbolt icon next to the podcast name on Fountain.fm. So buckle your seatbelts, subscribe to the podcast, drop a review, and without further ado, let's cue the intro. Hi, Car. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me on the show. This is awesome. Uh, yeah, big fan of uh, what you're doing, Mary, and the show. Oh my gosh, I love what you're doing, and I'm so excited to have you on the show. And I know that you guys are doing really amazing stuff with Pleb Labs, so I can't wait to hear all about it. Yeah. But before we get into that, do you mind if you could tell us a little bit about yourself so our audience get to know yeah, you? Yeah, for sure. Uh, my name's Carr. I'm a Bitcoiner. I uh, started down the Bitcoin journey uh, in 2015. Uh, I think I saw the Andreas interview with Joe Rogan and then like my friend sent that to me and then that got me started in it, you know, started stacking. Uh, and then, um, yeah, and then in, in 2017, I started my own like crypto. I actually started in the crypto space. <laughs> Don't throw tomatoes at me yet, but I I uh, had met Gary Leland along the way. He runs the uh, Bitblock Boom conference, and uh, he kind of orange pilled me over the course of like three years, and uh, and then finally in 2020, I uh, decided to go full time and, and launch Thriller Bitcoin, uh, and then through that I met uh, Kyle and Keon, and we started the Austin Bitcoin Club here in Austin. It was the first social club. And then um, we got that kind of ramped up. And then along out of, out of that came uh, PlebLab. And, and PlebLab is a uh, Bitcoin accelerator. It's the first of its kind. I don't know if anybody else is doing things. I think people are starting to do things, but we've been running since about October of last year. We started off with just like a seven by seven room. And we had like some of the biggest minds in there, like Ben Carmen, uh, Tony Giorgio. We had like Michael Atwood, uh, John from Zaprite, uh, Keon from Stacker News, Tristan from Lightning Escrow. We had a lot of Bitcoiners in that one room. We'd even have people come visit us, like Justin Moon and um, you know Pierre. I don't want to keep dropping names, but I think you get the point. Like we had a lot of Bitcoiners in that one room, and um, from there we helped uh, we helped a lot of them uh, with a lot of different things, like uh, you know getting them connected to. Other people in the space, you know, just mentoring, um, business development, marketing, strategy. I mean, you name it, we did everything for them as much as we could. We 
We helped uh, facilitate the first Bitcoin block party in December of last year. And that really got us on the map as far as like Plub Lab being an actual company. Um, at that point, uh, my co-founders, Kyle and, and Keon, started looking at building a pitch deck because people started asking us for a pitch deck. You know, that was kind of one of those things. Um, and then so we did a small raise with Lightning Ventures. We raised uh, a little over 300000 And then now we're here at the official Plub Lab in downtown Austin on 6th Street. And we have our own building. And there's other Bitcoiners in there right now building stuff like Super Testnet or Austin from Fold. And it's, it's pretty amazing. Like it's, a, it's actually a dream come true. Um, to this day, I don't know how we did it. I just know that we just kept continuing on and kept helping people along the way. And eventually it just kind of took off. We started doing hackathons um, earlier this year. We did the Sats by Southwest hackathon. Uh, then we uh, partnered up with Base58 to do the Bitcoin Plus Plus. We did a hackathon for that as well too. And then um, now we're doing the Bolt.Fun. We're helping uh, those guys, the people that we love uh, out there, Johns and Ed, like launch this Legends of Lightning. So we're going to do that this weekend, actually. We're going to have like a lot of Bitcoiners here, devs, like, and even plebs coming in, building stuff to launch them into the uh, Legends of Lightning hackathon that's going to go on for like a month and a half. And uh, yeah, so been very busy here at Plub Lab and we're just, uh, just kind of getting started. We've always told ourselves that like, we did a lot of this stuff with like zero money, like in the early days, like we had no money for Austin Bitcoin Club. Uh, we had no money for the first Plub Lab, the seven by seven office. And then we always like amongst ourselves, I said, if people want to actually give us money to start doing this full time, like, oh man, we're going to, it's going to be like, we've done it without money. Imagine what we can do with money. And it's just like, we've already kind of done that and we're doing that now. So uh, we're going to be going to TapConf next week. And uh, we're partnering up with Base58 to do the Pleb Dev Village. Shout out to Nifty and Stack for facilitating a lot of the hands-on stuff there and coordinating everything. And they're just the best. So um, we're going to be doing it with them. And it should be a lot of fun next week at TEPCOM. That's a little bit about oh me. Oh, my gosh. That is so <laughs> cool. I really love it when Bitcoiners build like really cool stuff. And it's just so exciting to hear of all the projects that came out of that. I was going through the Pleb Lab website and I saw a couple of Bitcoin projects that I could recognize. Uh, I saw Stacker News, huge fan of those guys, love, love the platform. Then I saw Oshi. We had Michael from Oshi on the podcast, actually, which is really cool. So I am really curious though how long did it take to build pleb lab to what it is today yeah it was really hard like first the very first thing we did was me and kyle and keon we started the austin bitcoin club like that was the first thing like we created a social club um, i don't know if there was meetups around the country at that time but we had an austin bit devs here but a lot of us wanted to hang out outside of that so we, me and, me and Kyle want to start Austin Bitcoin Club. So we did. And we used some uh, connections that we had with Capital Factory to have the event there. And so we we went from like zero to over a thousand in, and, uh, in like a matter of like six months, I think it was, getting that social club up and running. Uh, it just caught fire. People wanted to hang out with Bitcoiners and at social gathering. And we were able to do give people what they wanted. At that point, me, me and Kyle and Keon were working out of Capital Factory. Like we literally were just working out of Capital Factory. And uh, Kyle started orange pilling the vice president at Capital Factory. And uh, me, me and Keon had always wanted to do our own little hacker house. Like we wanted to make like a hacker space. And um, Kyle came in one day and he was like, what are you guys talking about? We're like, we're talking about building a hacker space, you know, for like Bitcoiners. 
And he was like, you're talking about an accelerator. And I was like, I guess, whatever you want to call it, Kyle. But at that time, Kyle saw the vision of like what it could be. And uh, so that's what we did. We started looking at a possible house or something that we could do it. We're looking like how we're going to raise money to do it, if we're going to use our own Bitcoin to do it. And by us doing that, Kyle started orange pilling the vice president. And over time, the vice president said he would see us up there like at 7 a.m. till like 10 p.m. every day because me and Kyle would be working on Austin Bitcoin Club. I'd be working on Thriller Bitcoin. At the time, Kyle was writing a book with some of his friends about military stuff and Bitcoin. And then at that point, the the vice president called us in for a meeting. And so we went in there, myself, Keon and Kyle, and we pitched in this idea for Plub Lab. And uh, he was like, why didn't you guys come to me sooner? I would have given it to you a lot sooner. And we just kind of told him like, hey, you really like you don't ask your dad, you know, to, to borrow the Ferrari to take your girlfriend out if he's already giving you the garage to practice with your band. You don't ask him for, you know, multiple things. And so he was like, no, ask. And so we asked them and they gave us a seven by seven office space. And we started looking around because there's at the time there was tons. This was before it kind of really took off as far as like projects, there was still like Stacker News, like there's Fountain, but like lightning apps and projects were kind of taking off. And at that time we had friends just like all over the place. And we just sent out like kind of like a bat signal and said, hey, if you want to come to Plub Lab in Austin, come in, here's free office space. We're going to try to help you as much as we can. And that's what we did. We just started helping our friends, you know, get funded. And um, by, by virtually giving everything for that, we were able to, um, get funded ourselves. And so that's kind of, that's kind of how it took off. It was like, it was really just doing the right thing and making sure that we put everybody else above ourselves. It was being selfless, really. Um, it was, it was being Satoshi like, right. Um, I put up a lot of Bitcoin in the very beginning of my own to get started. Like Kyle put up all of his Bitcoin. Um, and then at some point, um, we were able to kind of keep the dream going. And at this point we're, I think we're, I think we're doing a good job. We got some more people coming into the accelerator. Now we're super excited to be helping them and get them funded as well too. So we've been doing that and we've just kind of been heads down, just trying to make this accelerator work. Cause like, if it, we've always said like, if it can't happen in Austin, we can't build a Bitcoin accelerator in Austin then like something, mm -hmm. something's wrong. Right. So I think, I think we're, we're just taking it one day at a time. But you guys are doing so much. Like I imagine having like so many Bitcoiners in one place building. Oh my gosh. I would be so high out of the excitement. <laughs> Just yeah. seeing so many Bitcoiners building at the same time. It's kind of cool. Like, and I'll post videos on, on the Pleb Lab Twitter, you know, like, you know, Super Testnet will be out there and he'll make like a Bitcoin lottery thing. And then he'll come show us on, on our TV that we have out there. But We've been kind of doing this even in the seven by seven space. Like even when we were at Capital Fighter, we were still doing that. And it was, it was just kind of showing the world like what you could do when you get a big a bunch of Bitcoiners together in one room. And I think for us, a lot of us are just good friends at the end of the day, and we all care and love one another. And so we're really there to be there for them. Um, you know, no matter what project they want to do, whatever. You know, workshop they want to put on. We just try to be of service to all of them here inside of Plub Lab. And I think if you lead with like, how can I be of service to other Bitcoiners, you can you can be um, you can be blessed in a lot of ways um, by doing that. Uh, I got lucky early on because I was able to get a job with Marty at TFTC, where I was his his first producer, and um, seeing how he worked and how he was able to systematically get through his day, like just one by one and knocking things out. It was a big inspiration to me personally, because 
it was seeing him as like, wow, this is how like Bitcoiners get stuff done. And they just, they work Bitcoin hours. They don't work fiat hours, right? Like a nine to five, they work Bitcoin hours and seeing Marty do all these things on a day-to-day basis. And like being around him for like over a year, I was able to see like, oh, this is what it takes to, to, to really make change in the Bitcoin space. So I got really lucky and really blessed early on um, to, to kind of be where I'm at right now. And, and it's definitely something I don't take for granted. It's something that I, you know, try to train up the next people here. Like right now we have somebody named Darren who's working at a pub lab and I'm showing him a lot of stuff that I've learned and giving him the tools to how to do it. There's been um, yes, um, people like Toshimoto who's come out in the very beginning to come learn from what we do in a pub lab and teaching him all the ways. Same thing with uh, Logan, who who now produces for Marty, who took over for my position there. Like, it's just like you have to like train these people up to to the to the level of like a Bitcoiner uh, that we all see ourselves built being. And it's just like passing it forward and really trying to um, get the next person that's because you know, at the end of the day, I feel like talent reaches out to talent. I know a lot of people disagree with that, but I really feel that's just kind of what I've seen in my life in the creative space is like talent will reach out to other talent and um, it's on them to want to make that first move to, to learn from them. You know, it's like, uh, you know, I, I made the first move to reaching out to Marty because I wanted to learn from him. Right. And also wanted to work alongside of him. And I was blessed to do that. And I soaked up everything as much as I could. And, and also from Matt O'Dell too, like uh, it's, it's learning from these other Bitcoiners that have already done it before. And then um, being able to like pass that knowledge that you've learned along with the stuff that, you know, to the next one. And it's just kind of like, that's, that's kind of how I see the spaces right now is like uh, helping everybody, even people that are trying to break into the space. Like, how do you help them um, get to where they want to be with the current platform that you have right now? And so that's what we try to do at Pub Lab. That's what I try to do on a daily basis. You know, you just made me realize how beneficial it is to be in a space where people are working on different stuff and how you could like learn something new from each person. I heard that there's a lot of collaborative effort. So like you could always learn something new from someone else there. And at the end of the day, whoever comes out of Pleb Lab, they always come out a lot better than they were when they first came in. And it's just so exciting to hear about what Bitcoin community could do, whether it is in a space where people are working on on Bitcoin projects or maybe even, you know, socializing. And it's just crazy how all this came from uh, Bitcoiners socializing with each other. And it's just absolutely remarkable. This is where uh, we all firmly believe here, like there should be a hackerspace accelerator in every town in America and the world. Everybody should be doing one. Um, Bitcoiners need a place to collaborate, to be creative, to get things started. Uh, we got really lucky early on to have the, 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 the amazing people at Unchained Capital, right? They were already doing bit devs. Uh, they launched a Bitcoin Commons, which is the best event space. I think, you know, uh, you, and you ask me, I think that's the best event space. I, I wouldn't want to do a Bitcoin event anywhere else other than the Bitcoin Commons personally. Um, but what, what I've noticed is like when you have people like that building a foundation for other people like, like you know, Plub Lab to come build on top of it and to help facilitate everything that they've taught us personally, we got really lucky early on and we're still very lucky. And I do not take that for granted, but I would, would stress if you're out there and you're thinking about starting 
a hacker space or a collaborative space or a creative space, do it in your town. It needs it. Even if it's a seven by seven office, you know, sweet, but like every, every place should have that. And I, I think it's very important that in order for Bitcoin to win, we need to, we, we really, really need to support a lot of developers because they're critical to, to Bitcoin to succeed. Personally, that's how I feel. And that's what we feel at Pub Lab. Do you have any plans of expanding beyond Austin? I think right now we, we, and we raise a small, you know, tiny amount of funding and me and Kyle are, are paying ourselves like barely, <laughs> barely enough to pay the bills right now, because we're still kind of like, we're in that phase of like, okay, we're doing it, we're doing it, but we have to make that last, you know, for a certain amount of time in order to have the space around us. So, um, I think, I think for us, it's like, let's really try to hone in on everything that we're doing and like really um, get it to near perfection as we can do it and prove that the model works. Cause I think it does. And once we get there, then I think uh, we can start looking at other places, but right now it's like entirely focused on what we're doing in Austin and helping people like yourself, people like all over the world with any type of questions or taking, you know, any type of meetings to help them do that. I mentioned the bolt.fund people like John's and Ed, like helping them out wherever we can, because I, I think we all have to kind of lean on each other, especially in, in like the developer space. Right. And so that's kind of where I see it. I think, I think the long answer is like, I think at some point that would be cool, but right now we need to make sure that it actually works here in Austin first. Uh, and then hopefully there's enough bat signal out there that everybody will start their own and then we can all learn from each other. That's what I hope. Yeah. Awesome. And you know, you mentioned or rather you encouraged those who are listening who have the intention of having a hacker space to start their own. What would you say are the key elements necessary to uh, set up a successful hacker space? I, I would say it starts with like this kind of thing that I've been talking about, this triangle offense. People think I'm crazy when I say this, Mary. So just bear with me. Who's listening? We this like crazy people. It, okay, I mean, yeah. come on. <laughs> crazy so this, is good. This kind of triangle offense that we run at Plub Lab, and this is what I've learned to be true: is like get somebody who's a leader, you know, that can do a lot of the business stuff that needs to be that can help make the hard decisions because you need that face, that that business mindset. Um, you need that leader who's going to be vocal and be out there in front. Then get yourself like the most creative person, like somebody like you, like somebody really creative, really like, you know, out there, you know, you know, uh, involved in the community, getting people gathered, like that type of person. And then find yourself a technical person, like a highly technical, the smartest technical person you can get in Bitcoin to come with you. And I think if you have those three things, I think, I think you have enough there to get started. Um, I think from there, it's just, uh, uh, it's just your, your energy, your vibe is just going to naturally pull people in and you're going to see that time and time again. Um, and so that's kind of how we, we started. It was just like Keon technical. I'm kind of the creative guy. I was like kind of the leader business guy, like making those hard decisions, but it's like all three of us are equally trying to figure this out. We all bring something different to the table and two or three vote works all the time, you know, especially when you got one person like, no, it's this. And then the other two vote over the third one. I think that's why it works. It's like, it's an equal footing amongst those three founders. And I think if you have those three, I think, it, I think it could probably work with just one or maybe a board. Um, I just don't know of anybody that's been able to do it other than the way I know how. So that's why I always stress with like getting three different people in three different segments. You know? I think those three different people or three different segments work 
just fine really because when you think of a board I don't think the board is I don't know like when a board comes together I don't think they put all those elements into any thought they're like who is the person who has done this better you know come join the board (laughs) Um, but like being very strategic with the kind of people that you work with is really key and I just love how you broke it down that way and it makes it really easy because if I'm to bring it home um, and home being you know Africa a lot of the time people would be like their focus is always on and you know I'm saying this in a respectful way but the focus is always on funding right when people come together with this amazing idea the next thing or next conversation is always funding but from what I'm hearing from your story and what how Pleblab came about right funding was not that wasn't the thing on on the top of the list um but what would you advise people who feel that funding is extremely important and they're not ready to go forward with an idea like pleb labs in africa because the funding isn't enough i would i would say that this is where like having somebody that this is where i go back to that triangle offense right this is where having like somebody like me is always going to want to throw money to fix the problem that's just me personally i mean like, oh i can solve it with money blah 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 but in reality, like Kyle's proven proven the point of like, no, if you can't solve it without money, then it's not a problem worth solving. And that's the thing that blew my mind early on was like, Kyle, we need to spend money for it. He's like, no, there's a way to do it without money. And I was just, and then that's what I've learned over the course of like working with Kyle and Keon is like, oh, so you can do it without money. It might take more sacrifice on you to burden, you know, as a person for your community. But it, it has to come willingly and it has to come innately, I feel like. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, most people know this, like I'm a Christian, so that comes pretty natural for me to do that. But having kind of switched my mindset from like, oh, let's throw money at it to like, oh, how can we look at this problem differently and solve it without money? And I think for us, that has always been key. Now, mind you, there's going to be an expense, like if you're going to get like a seven by seven office or something, like you're going to have to pitch in for that. Right. We got lucky because we got like the first four months free at Mm -hmm. Capital Factory. But once we prove in the model that it could work, then we were able to pay it amongst ourselves. So I think first is like seeing what kind of space you can get, seeing if it's like somewhere in the city or town that's like close to all these other Bitcoiners, you know. And then it's just like going out there and doing it and starting on day one and then reaching out to friends and letting them know that what you're doing and like, and then before, you know, it, it kind of just kind of, kind of just expands on its own. And, and I think that's what we've done is like, we started very small and it's every step of the way, we've just kind of grown. I hope you're enjoying the episode so far. I just wanted to step in and tell you a little bit about saving Bitcoin with BitNob. The minute I started using BitNob, it changed the way I invest in Bitcoin forever. With BitNob, I can create a plan and it automatically invests in Bitcoin for me using the dollar cost average strategy. That's it, nice and easy. Download Bitnob, B-I-T-N-O-B, and watch your Bitcoin investments grow. Uh, even now, I still think we're really tiny. Like, I, I personally think <laughs> we're not as as well known as, as as you know as much of anybody else in the space. I think we're just doing our part. Um, we don't try to like stand out or anything. We just kind of do it the pleb lab way. Um, So that's what I would say with the money part is just like, see if you can do it without like, think through the problem, like see the goal and then work yourself backwards to see how you can do it without money. Um, Mm -hmm. But money definitely helps. 
and it, it makes yeah. things. <laughs> but there is something to be said, Mary, about like being able to solve a problem without money. And it makes you, it, it sharpens your blade, I guess I should say. What you said took me back to my first journey through podcasting. I think I started my first ever podcast in 2015. And during that time, I would come across like posts because then Facebook was still, you know, the in thing, not like now. <laughs> yeah. But like I'll come across posts where people would be like, oh, I hired, you know, video producer or someone who could edit my audio. And I'm like, man, I have to do all this stuff by myself, the scripting, the recording, the editing. And it, it took a lot of sweat equity, which is something that Gary V calls like hard work. But from 2015 till date, like I've learned a lot just doing everything by myself for free to the point that now like there's this, I don't have to put it like there was a fine tuning of skills such that when, if or such that when the day comes when I'm like, you know what, I think I can delegate editing. Um, I know exactly what I'm looking for because it took me all those years to do it by myself to realize that this is what's necessary. This is what I need. And really, if you were throwing money at something without having to know how it works, you know, it makes it uh, you you tend to be like cut off from the reality of what it takes to create that thing. Right. And we still I see a lot of this in YouTube, for example, the best YouTubers are those who from day one, they've been editing their videos versus the person who is like, uh, maybe they're filming and they'll be like, oh, cut this, cut this. Okay, please that last thing, bring this thing. And it's like, I don't know how to put it. They don't, it almost feels as if they don't understand what it takes to make the perfect video because they didn't, either they didn't spend enough time or many years behind the editing process. Um, but those who really took their time to edit, they like the quality was a lot higher to me. I mean, if I were to do a, a um, comparison, yes, maybe the rate at which the videos come out is slower because they have to do it themselves. But the quality and the amount of love that's put into the video is definitely a lot more. So I just I love what you said. So by the time pleb lab grows such that you have to hire team members and more people to do a lot of the other stuff do you know exactly how much energy goes into all those things such that you tend to empathize with them because you know you were there right which is something that makes you like a really great leader in your own company or your own bitcoin project no i 100 agree like i had a very similar thing with like like that like i used to be like I started off at a young age in the arts. My grandfather had the same name. He was an artist. My mom pushed me towards the arts at a young age. I would go to art workshops on the weekends. You know, when I, when I went to college, I was studying art. I dropped out because my professor was like, you know, every great artist goes off and ventures on his own. And I, I, my friends at the time were like making music and stuff. And I was like, cool, I'm going to join a band instead. So I dropped out of college, joined a band and like toured Texas and like trying to make that work. And then I, when I came to Austin, you know, at the end of, uh, of the 2000s, it was like I got plugged into the Austin music scene here and started helping out in the community and learning from all those people, recording, production, live stuff. Um, it set me up to do my own podcast in 2017. 
And so I started doing my own podcast and mind you in crypto, but I would go to these crypto events like consensus or in Brooklyn or whatever, and attend all these things. And then like learning how they did things and operated. And then finally moving into the Bitcoin space, I finally like had enough information and, and enough like know-how from over the course of my life to actually put those skills to actual like real example. And then when I joined Pleb Lab and started doing the thing there, it was like, oh, like I, I literally took all the skills that I had learned over the course of my entire life. And now I'm using them daily on, on, in Pleb Lab. And another thing too, was like getting, working with Marty for a year was like, then I learned how the Bitcoin way of doing it. Right. So then you add all the stuff I learned, plus learning the, the Bitcoiner way of doing it from Marty really just threw gasoline on the fire. And then I really saw it and I was like, Oh wow, this is now what's really cool is I feel like now for myself, is you know one of my one of my biggest inspirations. I always talk up, talk about him a lot. Is Kubrick, like I I Stanley Kubrick for me is like somebody who I always look back to as far as like how his creative process worked, how he built teams, how he created his vision, and then how he executed on that vision. And he's somebody I always studied. Like he he came in as a photographer, like in the early days in his twenties, and then his, then from there uh, he went into film. And then his first film, he was so it was so like not well, it wasn't well done, but then he slowly built up to like a space odyssey uh, and what he's known for with like um, the rest of his films. But the way he had this like vision of like, he would set out a goal and you look at something like a clockwork orange where he had this painting that he was able to recreate in film, but he had this vision of, I want that, I'm gonna make that, I'm gonna translate the film. And then being able to execute on that vision and then getting the team around him to see that vision and then to go and execute it. Like to me, that it has always been the way I look at how, what I do here at Plub Lab is like setting the vision and then getting the people in place to create that vision, regardless of, you know, where they come from or what their thing is, as long as it's collaborative and we're all working towards the same vision, you can easily get the output that you want. Sometimes it won't be what you exactly were pointing to, but you can get you can get nearly there if you set a high enough bar. And that's where I feel like we do at Pleb Lab is we set the bar so high that we try to hit that bar. And even if we come up short, because there's been times where we came up short, to everybody else, it looks like it was amazing. But to us internally, we know like we didn't hit the bar. Like, you know, like Bitcoin block party was something that we we had that kind of like vision, what we wanted. Did it come out successfully? I think it did. But did we, if in my own head, and I'm not speaking for everybody else, but in my own head, I feel, I still feel we were, we came up short because we didn't knock out these certain things. Um, you look at it, you know, with everything that we've done events or anything that time of, uh, like we have a, a company coming out of here. And it's like, I just feel like if you set the bar high enough and you try everything in your power to reach that bar, you can't help, you know, but get really close. And, and like, sometimes that's enough to, 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 for everybody else to see like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But in reality, you're like really judging yourself as a creative person. You're like, no, it's not, it's not near, it's not what I want. Right. Like, but it, it's, it's about setting the bar first and about building the vision for the team. I think that's where it starts first. So I think it helps in the area of, you know, thinking big, Sometimes we underestimate what we can do. When you set the bar high, it allows you to stretch yourself to see how far you can go. And by the time the project was executed and you look back, you'd be like, 
did I really do this thing? Did I really write that? Did I really film this? Did I really build that? So it's can feel frustrating because I know I've been there. Like you set this big standard for yourself and you don't make it and you try it and try again. But it's like you always fall short and it can yeah. feel a little frustrating, especially for the someone who's actively participating in it, in it because those who are watching you would be like, why are they pissed? Like, why are they sad? They did really well. Like, but yeah, it's that self-awareness really. Um, I think being very humble enough to admit that uh, you could do better is really a strong quality because you have some people that they allow ego to take over and they feel like they're the best in the world. And instead of that making them grow, they're literally being stagnant because they're not allowing themselves to break out of that ego. Exactly. And that's where I always say, like, if you get enough talented people in the room, the best idea wins, right? And so when we were we were partnering with Base58 for Bitcoin Plus Plus, a lot of the, the stuff that we did was like internally where we were building out all these graphics for Bitcoin Plus Plus and stuff like me and Toshimoto and Logan, we spent hours and days just like literally uh, focused on like getting, I don't know if you've ever seen the logo for it, but like we grabbed every single one of those images and then turned them into like, these uh these sfg files uh and we were able to like but we grabbed all that stuff from our city from around around austin and then me and toshi like spent hours trying to get them perfect right and like i know in the back of my head that when i look at that graphic now i did everything i possibly could to get it great and then you have to send them off to the printers right and then they mm -hmm. still couldn't, like, I don't, people don't know this, but like we had the little flywheel thing for the banner and me and me and stack were like talking about it. And we, they literally wouldn't give us the, the pixel dimension that we wanted on it. And I was so upset with myself because I didn't foresee oh that. Gosh. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I was so upset with myself because I was like, man, I should have saw that coming. Cause then, but it's too late now because I already done all this. So like, even if we were to go back, we would have to go with a different camera and it was like built. And then when you finally get it printed and it's there, no one even cares about it. Right. Because no one see everybody sees it and they just accept it. And they're like, Oh wow, this is amazing. Blah, blah. But you and your heart know it's like not pixelated correctly. And like, mm -hmm. sometimes when you put that much time and effort and love and care into something as simple as like a design, people can, people will still feel it. Like, I really firmly believe that if you put that much effort into one thing, that it will translate across and people will feel an emotional connection to it. And, and like, that's just one example where it's like, we were, we were building the website and, and, and Toshi was like, you know, car, it'd be cool if we made all these things move. And I was like, no, it's a, it's a dumb idea. And he's like, come on, car, we got to go down this road. We got to see what it's going to look like. And I was like, yeah, fair point. Let's go down the road. And literally, like, we spent, like, uh, most of the day trying to figure out what was the right, uh, like, uh, frame rate to make sure it didn't, like, make people dizzy. And then eventually, Toshi was like, yeah, you know what? I think this is it right here. And then that's when it, like, looked the way it looked was because we had spent a lot of time trying to figure out the right the right timing of it and the sequencing of it and like sh shout out to him because it was his idea but when you when you're building towards a creative vision you can set aside your egos because you it's kind of like what kanye talks a lot about right where he says like he has his vision for this thing in the song and he just grabs whatever musician or artist that he knows that can execute on that vision that he sees and like for me i look at it the same way it's like who do i have in my community that can help me get to this vision because 
creative talent wants to work with other creative talent. Like it's a natural thing mm-hmm. for us to want to collaborate and build towards something, even if it's not even my project. Like, you know, Toshi's going to be working on this kind of zine that he's building. And I'm like, dude, let me know where I can help because I'm sure I can help in some way because creative people like working with other creative people because it's just fun. At the end of the day, you want to, you want to learn something new. It's a, it's a project. Uh, and so that's kind of how I see it is like um, it's, it's getting the best idea from the person in the room, regardless if it's your own idea. And like you said, Mary, it's like setting your ego aside, leaving it mm-hmm. at the door and then being able to like share everything. I'm yeah. so happy because most times in the Bitcoin space, you hear a lot about the developers. So it's really cool to hear like a creative person just talking through the creative process is really cool. But I'm curious about your perspective on this. So, you know, yeah. there is this argument on building silently versus documenting the journey. Which one do you feel is the best route to take? So yeah. just a little bit of context, right? Yeah, give me an example. Um, yeah. For example, you're starting this new, maybe you have this new idea of a lightning enabled thing. And someone like me, for example, I'm more of a document the journey kind of person because I want to let my future or potential clients know about the whole process, what happened, the, you know, the, the trials and successes of the project, such that by the time it gets to a particular point, when it's ripe for maybe a sale or whatever, like these people have been carried along through that journey. It's kind of like, how people feel with reality TV shows, you know, like they know everybody inside and out because they followed them through this journey. They saw their character develop. They've seen them frustrated, happy, angry. And then you have another set of people who are like, I'm just going to build quietly. I don't want anyone to know what I'm doing. Uh, Maybe I'll tell a couple of people who could help me out. But like Whenever someone asks them, hey, what you're working on? They're like, oh, I'm working on a secret project, you know, more to come out soon. And they just keep it in a box and you probably don't hear from them after maybe a year or three when they're finally done. And then sometimes it really depends on the project, though. Sometimes it's like, why isn't this thing working? Or for some other project, it just kick off really fast. But now, like for someone who is just starting off, would you say that's best to document the journey as you're building or just keep silent and just work? Yeah, I would say kind of, I have two ways of looking at it and I don't know if that's going to help or maybe confuse it a little bit more. <laughs> uh, so I, I think they've been hanging around with developers for over a year and a half now at this point. You know, some of my best friends are Bitcoin developers, right? Um, and they have a way of doing everything openly like with open source. Uh, you look at somebody like Nifty, she builds out in the open, Justin Moon, Keon, uh, and they all stress building out in, in the open, right? And uh, hats off to them for doing that. It allows, it inspires other people. And then I also have this other approach where it's like my Christian approach, approach, right? Because at the end of the day, it's like, what do I need to do to show the light to others so they can um, find their way in life? So I, I kind of marry those two and I look at it like, I feel personally that I got to do everything I can to really put time and attention to what I'm doing and, and build openly and be of service to others. Right. And if, if it's something as simple as me just creating a graphic and then sharing it with the world or me offering some of my time to, you know, to, to share these ideas 
it's it's whatever I need to do to, to show the light for others so they can see that, hey, there's a light out there and I can also be that too. And it's, it's about inspiring, right? Because at the end of the day, like we're all going to, you know, uh, meet our maker in the end. And like all of this Bitcoin stuff is amazing. And it's cool that we get a chance to save the world. But along the way, we're going to have friendships and, you know, relationships and, and hopefully we'll have left our fingerprint, you know, somewhere, you know, in the grand scheme of things. But I think for me, it's just about being the light for others and sharing whatever I need to share to help facilitate that, to inspire them. And I think that's how we win. Right. And I think what, to your point, you had asked about, like, I'm just starting my journey. Should I document everything? I documented everything from my crypto journey. It's still out there. Like <laughs> it's embarrassing, quite frankly. Like, it, like you know what I mean? But at the same yeah, time, it's like no guilty. one was paying I'm guilty. <laughs> no one was paying attention to it anyways. And like mm-hmm. you as a person, you're always growing. And like it's for me, it's kind of cool seeing that journey, right? Like where I started and where I am now. And like it also inspires others to see, like, oh, he started in the crypto space. Now he's in the Bitcoin space. And you know, he's doing Bitcoin things and like, it's enough sometimes to, to just do what you feel is right. And as long as your heart's in the right place and you're setting the best foot forward and you're, you're, you're thinking about others, I think that's okay. And I think other, what will happen is other people will come gravitate towards you and, uh, it, and then you can help them. It's okay. If like, you know, that one person that just comes, you know, and gets what they want and then they, then you never see them again. It's okay. Like that's, that's fine. Like, you know, whatever they needed at that time. Uh, it's it's not picking it up. It's not putting it down. It's kind of like that Maya Angelou quote, right? Where she says like, when people are saying great things about you, don't pick it up because you don't need to pick up the things when they say bad things about you. So like, don't pick it up. Mm. Don't put it down. Like just leave it there uh, and just keep doing what's right. And like, I always go back to my Christian thing. It's like, just keep being the light for others. And, and sometimes that's enough. You don't know who's listening. You don't know who you're inspiring. Um, I think you're a big inspiration personally, Mary. To see, yeah, <laughs> to see what to see what you have done you i mean i i, I originally saw you on stacker news but it was clear to me like here's this person that's taken upon themselves to teach others about lightning and how cool it is and, and the amount of light and glow that you have in your personality and who you are as a person oh draws God. people to you so like i reached out to you originally to like have you on thriller right and like that's where you came on and then that was for me it was clear like oh yeah Mary's going to, she's something special. Like, I don't know what it is, but you know, you just know when you meet somebody like that, you're like, oh, they're special. There's something about them. And like, that's what I see with you. It's the same thing. You're already doing it. You might not think you are, but you're already doing it. So. Oh my gosh. Wow. I feel so touched. (laughs) I feel so touched. Thank you so much. You know, I'm just so excited about this episode because I feel that it's going to touch a lot of people, especially in Africa, because I what I've seen so far is seems like Africa is really in a building stage right now. Um, a lot of really cool ideas are coming up. And one thing that I really want to encourage a lot of Africans is to start innovating and finding ways they can use Bitcoin to solve unique African problems. But I'm really curious to hear your thoughts about Africa and the kind of you know work that's being put on the ground. Like, do you hear of these projects? Or is, is it that there isn't enough 
you know, information that's coming from Africa so that we as Africans can, you know, probably step up either if it's publicity, that's our problem or, you know, just learning. But I'd love to hear what it has been for you and if what you've heard so far about um, builders in Africa, especially in the Bitcoin space. Yeah, I feel like the, the first time I heard about like Bitcoin going on in Africa was the whole Cardano thing when that was going on. Like I felt mm-hmm. like Charles Hoskin went in there and like try to make something happen. I don't know what transpired with that. And then it was relatively quiet. And then now I feel like you, I, you're the first person I really know that's hands-on doing things there that I personally know. Um, so right now I'm just following you and learning from everything about Africa through you personally. And so I think what you just said right now, being louder, um, really, you know, reaching out to people like me and other people in the space to let them know like, Hey, we're over here doing stuff and we could use your help in, in spreading the signal. And like, that's what we should be doing for all Bitcoiners around the world is like, retweeting them, liking them. Like, what does it cost us to retweet? What does it cost us to like? It doesn't cost us anything. We're not making any money on it. So it's just like, it's something as simple as that, right? Or it's like writing an article, right? On Thriller Bitcoin about what you're doing and like talking about these things and like dropping dropping your name to others here in Austin. Like I told everybody at PlayLab today that I'm coming to talk to you uh, on on your podcast. (laughs) So like now everybody knows who you are, right? And it's just like, it starts with that. It starts out by reaching out, talking to people, opening that conversation and to spread the signal. Because at the end of the day, I firmly believe um, if I didn't, ha- if I hadn't had started Thriller Bitcoin, which is a local publication here out of Austin, it's like a Bitcoin only publication. If I didn't start Thriller Bitcoin, no one would have heard about me. Right. And no one would have heard about PlubLab because no one was going to write about us. Like who's going to write about PlubLab? right? Uh, Everybody's too busy writing about other things, but I knew that I had to take it upon myself to write about my own city. Hey, hey, it's me again. Have you heard of the Lightning Network? It's an easy way of making Bitcoin payments faster and cheaper. With Bitnob, you can send and receive any amount of money in Bitcoin across the world. Mm -hmm. You heard that right, across the world, with little or no fees and in seconds. For speedy Bitcoin transactions, choose Bitnob. Download Bitnob, B-I-T-N-O-B, on your favorite app store today. Or visit the website at bitnob.com. That's B-I-T-N-O-B.com. So this is where I would stress to others is like, you know, start a media company and start writing about what's going on in your town. Even if it's just like a local newspaper, like do that. And then once you do that, start reaching out to people and like telling them what you're doing. Like, you know, in seeing where you can help them or what you've learned or, or, or how you can better fit, uh, uh, you know, what they're trying to do and what you're trying to do. Right. And seeing if it works. And that's what I would say is like, keep doing what you're doing and be louder because <laughs> yeah. we're all Bitcoiners, right. We can do whatever we want to, you know, to the law. Right? <laughs> so, yeah. True. I actually do believe that um, Africans should be louder with their projects because a lot of really cool stuff has been happening this year alone. And it's been insane. Right. Like we have the Africa Bitcoin conference coming up in wow. December. We had like Bitnob expanding to Kenya, which making it its third African country, which is super cool. Amazing. Congrats to y'all. Man, that's amazing. 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then we have Machankra introducing sending and receiving Bitcoin through USSD. So like for those who don't have a smartphone, they have access to Bitcoin now, thanks to that technology. So yeah, I think we do need to get louder. And I really hope that those who are listening to this podcast, uh, you know, run with this because there are people who are definitely eager to hear what Africa is, is up to. Um, I Because I feel that the interest is there, but not many people are vocal enough about the projects coming from Africa. Because the truth is that Africa is quite a unique continent such that there are like so many cultures. You know, one thing I always say is that you can't separate Bitcoin from culture, right? Different people from different cultures and backgrounds are going to have their own unique way of approaching Bitcoin and even telling the Bitcoin story. And there is like a huge mix of different cultures in Africa alone. And out of that culture, there are also problems unique to each African country in Africa that Bitcoin has the potential of solving. I think people outside of Africa haven't caught on to just how big Africa is and how diverse it is. And I really believe that if we can like get louder, like you said, uh, it's going to really shine the light on Africa because we're kind of like, um, I don't know how to put it, is underdog the right thing? Like there are people building amazing stuff, but they're, they're quiet, you know, or not loud enough. And I know that by the time it hits the global audience, like a lot of people will be like, wow, this is really cool. Um, I remember attending a, I think it was a fintech conference uh, here in Lagos. And that fintech conference, we had a couple of foreigners uh, come on stage. And one of them actually commented on how fast banking technology is in Nigeria. So I don't know if you're aware, but like you can literally send money from one bank to another in Nigeria and it gets to your bank in seconds. And it doesn't really matter which bank you use, it gets there really quickly. You receive a text message that you've received the same amount of money, but it's not the same in other countries. It takes a while, especially if you're not sending money to the same brand, the same branch or even the same bank. Um, so when I heard that, I was like, wow, that's, that's really cool because a lot of Africans think they're disadvantaged. And that's something I noticed. And I feel like they could not amount to anything unless they travel abroad, which is so wrong. And it's a narrative that I feel that needs to change. But so like hearing this curiosity from someone outside of Africa is so encouraging. And I feel that that's going to motivate a lot of builders here. Yeah. What we were talking about the last time I, I really took home and kind of thought about it myself even further after we had talked the last time was where you had mentioned about like, there are certain projects that only Africans can build inside of Africa being, being lightning developers or whatever that you have to build up your own developers and create a platform from them. And you said only they can solve the problems that we have in Africa. And, and as opposed mm -hmm. to somebody from America or some other part of the world coming in and saying, oh, here's the problem, this is how we solve it. It's like, no, it, it requires the community to solve those problems. And, and I see it here in, in Austin, like we're solving, a, we solved a lot of the problems that we had, that we were frustrated inside of Austin as Bitcoiners. 
and we're helping to facilitate that. And it's a group effort. Um, and, and I think you already see that. And I, I think that's where you kind of have the, um, the foresight and just kind of the uh, experience and knowing like, Hey, this is the way. And I would say, start doing it. You're already doing it because it, it's working, right? So <laughs> it's working to a degree, but I, I would say like, we were just talking about before we started the show was like RHR had mentioned Bitnob uh, on the, on uh, the, their show last week. And so it's working. Uh, so just keep doing that. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Just take it one day at a time and then ask yourself what's next. And then you, you'll, you'll be right there. It's really that Absolutely. simple. It's, it's no more than just that. Keep doing the right thing. Ask yourself what's next next day and then just keep doing it. And to give context to our, our listeners in Africa. So, okay. In Nigeria, right. We have power issues, right? We, our power is not hundred percent stable. It comes, goes in and out. And interestingly, we have uh, this um, electric cable. So we have the Chinese cable. That's a lot thinner. It works fine, but it spoils quickly because of the amount of voltage that goes through that cable on a regular basis. And then we have the Nigerian cable that's like five times thicker than the Chinese cable. And it lasts a lot longer. And the reason why I'm giving this example is this Nigerian cable was built specifically for Nigeria, given the electricity condition of the country and the amount of voltage that goes through on a regular basis, whereas the Chinese cable was built with the Chinese power system in mind. And even right. though we import it here, right, it doesn't solve the problem adequately like the Nigerian cable would. Same thing, uh, my dad told me about Nigerian candle and Chinese candle. So Chinese candle, uh, they're like really thin and they burn out like in about maybe two hours or three hours. But the Nigerian candle will be there like, the light will continue to shine. It will probably last a lot longer than the Chinese candle. And the only reason why people buy the Chinese candle, they usually buy a pack or two, is because uh, it's cheaper. And of course, although the Nigerian candle is comparatively uh, more expensive, it was created for specifically with the Nigerian condition in mind. So just, you know, I just felt it was really important to like drop that uh, great yeah. analogy there. <laughs> Absolutely. And, it, and like we were talking about marketing and, and branding before the show. And and it's literally about just framing why you should buy a Nigerian candle as opposed to this other fiat candle. Right. And it's like mm -hmm. and, and like, how do you how would you build that framing for that particular sale? And it's like, well, maybe it starts with just, you know, talking about why you know buying local is is the way to go forward and why supporting your own local community is the way to do it I, I think it just starts with having the conversation first and we're doing it right now and and that's that's the coolest thing is like once you kind of build this bitcoiner community in your in your city in your town then you can all start reaching out to other people that don't know about bitcoin and, and like you can get them on board and then before you know it, everybody's just transacting on Lightning. Like we're so lucky that we have a Michael Atwood here inside of Austin, right? He's built this amazing mm -hmm. app called Oshi. And now like a lot of the businesses that we love going to inside of town, they're they're using Lightning, like they're using Oshi. And it's it's amazing. But it literally, like if you would have fast forwarded to or back, you know, flashback to last year around this time, I think there was like maybe one or two that were on Oshi. Like and, and it was because it took a lot of us 
to help out, to get them there. And then then now it's just like, it's just spreading. So it can happen and it will happen. You just got to say like, this is what I'm going to do and I'm going to go and do it. And then just don't give up. Don't stop until you get there. And it's just like having that destination. And then, and then when you get to that destination, you realize, oh, there's even more road. So it's just like, just keep going. You're doing it. Love You're it. doing it, Mary. I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> bullish. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for all the encouragement. And I'm really, yeah. really grateful. It's so refreshing really to see what you guys are building and the amount of support that goes into the building process of these Bitcoin projects. I feel inspired and I hope and I look forward to the day that there'll be, um, you know, hacker labs, <laughs> do I call that? <laughs> or uh, hacker houses, more hacker <laughs> houses for Bitcoin based products. And um, I can't wait to see what what people will start creating, you know, after this podcast. And I'm just so grateful that you are so selfless and, you know, in sharing all this information because not many people would go this deep. And I just want to say that I really appreciate you. Yeah, absolutely. And and w- one of the things that I always talk about here inside of Plub Lab, I'll leave you another little nugget is like we, when we were inside Capital Factory, there was a lot of Ethereum developers there and I'm not knocking them. Okay. Some of them are friends, right? <laughs> but a lot of them didn't see, didn't understand why Bitcoin was needed or anything like, you know. And so whenever I would talk to them, they would be gravitating towards us. I mean, literally gravitating towards us because we just were doing things just differently and we stand out as Bitcoiners. And we sometimes we don't even know we stand out, right? Mm-hmm. So I would say be even more Bitcoiner in your city, like be even more out there in as a Bitcoiner because you don't know who you're going to bring over from the Ethereum space into the Bitcoin space by you just being more... Bitcoiner. There is one particular time where all of us were like, it was like seven, eight Bitcoiners walking down sixth street here in Austin. And if, mm-hmm. if you would have looked at us like in a row of like all in a group walking down, we look all so different. We kind of look like, did you ever see the matrix? The first matrix where mm-hmm. each one of them had their certain distinct style and they were all different, but they were all unplugged from the matrix. That's what it looked like in that moment, because when we finally stopped at a place, people were like, who, who are y'all? <laughs> like, what are, <laughs> we just said, oh, we're Bitcoiners. Like when we do this, we do this weekly meetup that Michael throws on Tuesdays. Uh, there, there, there's, there's always, it it's always happens where the, somebody from the, the shop or the coffee place will be like, are you guys celebrating a birthday party or something? And we're like, no, we're just Bitcoiners. Because it, 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 we have so different backgrounds, but it's the thing of like trying to save the world and, and help humanity that this mission that Bitcoin drives us to, it's inspiring and it's inspiring to others who are still plugged in, who don't see it. But so I'm saying be more Bitcoiner, uh, definitely let that come out of you and be that light for others because you don't know who you're inspiring. You don't know who you're going to uh, probably bring in because it's, it's needed. This is how we're going to win, right? This is how we swing back the other way towards towards the light. So, yeah. absolutely. Oh my gosh, that is so inspiring and so refreshing at the same time. I actually felt the same way when I attended my. So I hadn't or I never attended a Bitcoin meetup until I set one up. <laughs> I know. And, so how did that go? Gosh. How did how's that going now? Uh, it it went really well. Like we had, I think about almost about forty people attend. Whoa. You know? Yeah, it was cool. Awesome. Some came and left, but more came in and it was 
it was really cool to just you know some I have I still have the attendance sheet in front of me and it's just crazy how I have all these names of people and um so the way the meetup was set up was we had um like two sessions of networking so there'll be like a talk there'll be games and then there was networking in between and just you know going around the room and listening to people interested about bitcoin i actually thought i would have a lot of newbies um in in there but i i it seemed like we had more bitcoiners in there than newbies and i was like oh my gosh so this is so this is what it's like to be in the midst of bitcoiners it, it felt so cool to not be so weird <laughs> yeah that's awesome that's so cool right like and then you build your core group of people from the meta and then like then it goes on and then more core people come in we me and my friends just started the austin bitcoin design club uh mm -hmm. here in austin and what we're seeing now is kind of interesting so there's even different types of bitcoiners that will come out for different types of meetups and oh, then so nice. yeah yeah that that was fascinating because we had like two new people that we had never met that were bitcoiners that came out for the design club and we were like where have you been <laughs> and they're like oh we've been over here we're, we've been like educating the the east side of austin we're like wait what like the entire and they didn't even know about an austin bitcoin club so it, it's like yeah so i would say i would encourage definitely doing the social one and then start branching out and encourage others to start their own meetups in different parts of the town or different types of meetups because you'll you'll start realizing that eventually you'll hit a niche that will bring even more people in that you you had never met before and you're like whoa it's like it's like finding a lost friend <laughs> yeah so. totally totally actually when i newly got into the bitcoin space i thought bitcoin was just for developers and it was for them because they understood all the technical lingo i'm just here but then i started coming across different types of bitcoiners right the artistic ones among them the musical ones i tend to like hang around with the creative ones uh, yeah I, i'm sure. a creative <laughs> yeah i'm a creative sure. so it, it's really cool to see more creatives and i'm just like wow the bitcoin ecosystem is not linear right it's diverse it's just crazy how everyone is unified under bitcoin but we're so different and so i don't know our interests are so diverse it's crazy right like when i i love asking people what what type of project are you working on um and it just blows my mind to to see and to hear about people working on those projects i'm like yo i never thought about that thing so it's so exciting um and for those who felt like oh bitcoin is just for devs like this is a reminder that nah we have a lot of really cool people i love the idea of niching the uh, meetups i think that's really smart for sure yeah definitely niche de i can't say that word but you know what I mean. <laughs> uh, and then also too just like be of service to those developers like that's what i've realized is like uh, a, a lot of a lot of the developers are busy with their head down working on the developer stuff. But if you can help them, like we're having a pleb crafts this weekend, where uh, uh, Jana is going to be built, uh, doing like a, a open source uh, crafts outside of pleb lab, and she's going to be making open source t shirts and stuff. So like, nice. get creative with how you could help uh, some of these developers in their projects. Like, I, I think there's 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 definitely a lot of room for like innovating inside of Bitcoin even now. And I think 
I think you're doing it. I think, I think we're doing it. I think there's others that are doing it. And I just think we just need to amplify that to like, you know, hundredth degree. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my gosh, Carm. This was an amazing episode. Really? I oh, wow. Yes. I definitely want to bring you back. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was listening to the to the Des one that you had on Thunder Games. I really enjoyed that one a lot. Awesome. Like, yeah, there were some things I didn't even know. Like, I didn't know she had started at Lightning Labs. I didn't know like how they had built it and Bitcoin Bounce. And like, I've been playing that game. I don't know if you've been playing the Solitaire game. Oh yeah, I've been playing the Solitaire game before I go to sleep every night. Like, and I I get stuck. I thought I was good at Solitaire, but um, <laughs> yeah. So thank you for what you're doing because you're. You're shining a light on a lot of things that uh, that I would have known about, you know. So it's like it's cool hearing these stories from people. So yeah, keep being you, Mary. You're you're doing it. Let us know where we can help here at Plub Lab. Always. Thank you so much, Car. This means a lot, and thank you for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Yeah, it was a blast. What an amazing episode. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we have. Subscribe to know when next we release a new episode. Drop a review. Let us know your thoughts about the podcast. Follow Bitnob on Twitter at Bitnob underscore official. That's at B-I-T-N-O-B underscore O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. See you in the next episode. Bye.